good evening and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight we've got Dave Hilda Pryor. Corn sugar and caffeine. I feel my body in two different places. Steve Rutter. It feels I was born with two faces. I feel Ricky Hyatt. I should be around. And we've got two star guests tonight. First of all, Alex Fisher from the Overtown Football Club. And the manager of Derby County, Mr. Paul Wall. Settle down, have a drink, and enjoy a little bit of football banter. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. And boy, have we got a bumper edition for you tonight here on football bloody hell because that voice of course that you heard first up was mr ad hopper ad good evening sir evening mate how are you very well thank you very well indeed mr hyatt here as always how you doing rick uh, I'm, I'm i'm good how come i get second billing behind hopper normally i'm last oh well we've got special guests oh, on tonight so you don't get yeah it's build up build get up rubbish out the way early So now I've got a pick out of the next three. So I think I'm going to say a warm welcome back, first of all, to Steve Rutter to Three Valleys Radio. He's been out and about on his travels. How are you doing, Steve? It's been a while. Yeah, it has, mate. Yeah, I'm pleased to be back. I I feel like it's the announcing the winners in reverse order now. Yeah. You're just working up, aren't you, to the the top billing? (laughs) It's like Celebrity Squares, this, as I see you all on my Zoom page <laughs> it's very next revealing up. this hilda yeah be careful who you pick next yeah one of us going off screen straight away <laughs> well next up i think i'm gonna say that we're delighted to say to be joined by current yeovil town striker oh! mr alex fisher alex good evening hi guys how you doing good, we're mate. all right good Thank you very much. I wasn't expecting so much anticipation to this uh, introduction. But last, and by all means not least, and I think possibly he's on for a match four. It's possibly his third appearance. Maybe he's done a few more. We'll have to check the archives. Former Yeovil Town player and current Derby County manager, it's Mr Paul Warren. How are you doing, Paul? Well, I was a little bit tired prior to this, but now you've put me on as the last billing. I've, I've had a boost of energy, so I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. See, I did it in the right order, boys. See, everybody's happy. Apart from mm. Rick, maybe. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> he's never bloody happy. Track on. <laughs> well, I think we've got a few things to talk about, really, because, as I say, we've got three people on the podcast who we haven't had on for a while, so lots of things that we want to, uh, to get stuck into. So, Paul, I'm going to start with you, if I may. We, got, we went last in the intro, but first with the topics. So... Um, I think I'm right in saying the last time you were on the show, I don't think it was that long that you were in post up at Derby. You obviously had a little bit of time there now. Um, how do you assess um, your amount of time um, in the role so far? 
Um, cool, I said tough start. Um, not too bad, not as amazing as I would like, obviously. When we took over, I think we took over in about 11 or 12, something like that. But we just missed out on the playoffs. Um, last day of the season, was it? Last day of the season, yeah. We went down to 10 men at Sheffield Wednesday. And uh, so, unfortunately, we missed out. And then we've um, lost some players in the summer, as every club does, by the way. It's not an excuse. Um, and we've got a decent squad this year, but we haven't really been in our finest form yet, but we're sort of getting there. So I think we're undefeated in seven or eight games. So we're looking a bit more like, but I would have liked to have um, got into the playoffs last year at least. So it's a bit disappointing, but it feels like we're going in the right direction. So uh, so it's not too bad, thanks. Yeah, just having a look at your um, form table at the moment, um, <clears throat> you jaws sandwiched in between um, some wins. You're only sort of just yeah. outside, obviously very yeah. early days, presumably at the start of the season. Is it just a case of we're going to aim for promotion, whether that's top two or, or via the playoffs? Yeah, really. I mean, I, we obviously had meetings with the players at the start. You need them to buy into what you're trying to preach, really, I suppose. But we always like to try and, if you're going to go up, you just got to average two points a game. If you get two points a game there or there, damn it, you're, you're, you're right up there. And unfortunately, we've had too many draws. You're right. We've been on top in a lot of games. We just haven't taken our chances. So, uh, we just need to turn the draws into wins. Uh, we've been pretty good without being scintillating, I think. Our away form's better than our home form. We've struggled at home. I think we've only won one game at home. I think we've won probably three or four away from home. So, weirdly, um, we haven't been as good at home. Maybe as teams come and are quite happy to play counter-attack and sit behind the ball. We've just sort of struggled to break teams down. But, yeah, I just think we're we're not in a bad place. But, like I said, we just need to... Uh, get some back-to-back wins, and that's if you're going to be prom- if you're going to be promoted, you just need the the, the back-to-back wins, the runs, um, and you should be yeah two points a game. You should be at least at least in the playoffs, but uh, this year two points a game might be enough to get automatic promotion. So um, we're off that target at the moment, so we need to get back on it. From a personal perspective, Paul, how have you found? the pressure side of things because obviously it's always there in management but being at Rotherham for so long as you were it's probably extremely different going into a club like Derby County and have you have you felt that pretty much from from day one presumably um not really no I know this sounds a bit weird I mean I appreciate um you know there's more fans so if I'm stupid enough to go on social media there's more fans who don't like me I understand how football works but obviously, I'm not stupid enough to go on social media. I think it's exactly the same job, no matter what club you're at, I think. So at Rotherham, there was massive pressure on getting up every year. Uh, when it, and there was massive pressure of staying up in the championship. So the same amount of pressure is here. The, you know, the fan base expects uh, a promotion season and we've got to try and do it. And if we fall short, then you know, I'm well aware of consequences. But I don't feel there's any more pressure, just more people. So... If you've got 30,000 and 10% think you're an absolute wally, then you've got 3,000 people on everything telling everyone in the world that you're not very good at your job. If you've got 8,000 fans, you know, um, and you've only got 800 people, and that's sort of, I just think it's the scale. I appreciate that, you know, the club's obviously going through a bit of a phase because they've come out of admin and they're trying to rebuild and we've had to sell assets and we'll probably continue to sell probably our best players. I understand that. So... Um, I don't think the pressure's any greater. And weirdly, I don't live in Derby. So that isn't weird, sorry. But 
when I managed Rotherham, like I'd walk my dog and I'd have Rotherham fans cross the road to tell me why um, the team didn't win today and how I made the wrong substitutions. But whereas I live in, I live a, an hour away from Derby, I can actually get home and get a, you know, my own thoughts. And at times, weirdly, is that, feels... is that why you don't live in Derby? Yeah. If I lived in Derby, it'd be an absolute disaster. When I made the mistake, well, not the mistake, I went to an NFL game this weekend on Sunday and I met about eight Derby fans there. One Derby fan said to me, because I had a cup of tea, well, I thought you drink coffee. I went, well, yeah, it's not like the only thing I'm allowed to drink. I do like coffee, but I am allowed to treat myself to a cup of tea as well. So, uh, you know, it has got a massive fan base. You know, there are Derby fans all over the country, obviously. It's a, it is a massive club. But the determination to get promoted was no different to it was at my previous club. So I don't think the pressure's any greater. It's just greater outside noise is probably the nicest way to put it. Is the um, so maybe not from a pressure perspective then, but is the expectation greater from a fan perspective? Like you mentioned about obviously the administration and Derby, obviously getting relegated into League One. So is there an expectation that Derby are in and around where they should be or is there always going to be that expectation of they should be at the very top? I think there's always going to be that expectation. If Derby are in League 3, like everyone knows they, you know, the size of the club, the fan base, we average about 29,000 at home. In League 3 of any league in the world, any country in the world is very impressive. So, And if it was, which it has been, the same with Portsmouth, the same with Sunderland, the same with Sheffield Wednesday. If them clubs with massive fan bases are ever in this league, there's a massive demand to get out of it straight away and get back into the championship. And then obviously to to build to what hopefully, which will happen one day, the club will get back into the Premier League. But so there is a, there is a massive pressure. But like I said earlier, there was a massive pressure when, you know, I was manager at Rotherham. If we lost at home to a team that they didn't think were uh, at our level, we got absolute dogs abuse. So I, I don't think it's any different, really. I just think that the difficult thing is when you have 29,000 people at home and the away team might only bring 50 fans, you know, for people who may not get it, uh, they might look at it and think, well, this will be a walk in the park. They've only bought 50 fans, but you're not playing against 50 fans. You're playing against 11 lads who are fighting hammer and tong to try and stop what you're trying to do. So... Yeah, that's why that's why I see it really. Can I just ask you a quick question? On yeah, of course. Just now, I just I find it fascinating. Um, so, when you're like playing at home, do you find even at a League One level, where everyone's obviously really good at what they do and he's a big size, but even at that level, Derby County being who they are, do you feel like it's teams come there and almost go like, one, this is a bit of a big day out for us, and two. Do they play accordingly, like sit back deep and sort of say try and break us down? And therefore you're always playing of sorts amid like a, a kind of like a cup final. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it sounds really disrespectful to the opposition, but I've played in teams that have been underdogs and I played at Derby as a Rotherham player and I managed, I managed to kick the ball twice. So I know how difficult it is to go there. But I do feel that in the same way, if you know you go and play Sunderland in League One, you do have that feeling of, as the away team, like just quiet in the crowd down, stay in the game as long as you can. There isn't pressure on the opposition to possibly win the game. If they were to get a draw away at Derby, it's a good point. If they were to win, it's an unbelievable thing. And obviously you've played like I have. As a player, 
if you go into a game and you don't feel the pressure and you think, look, just hang in there. You don't have to be pretty, just win throw-ins, win free kicks, slow the game down, the usual sort of patter. The longer the game goes on and you're not one or two goals up, the tension becomes in, in the crowd. That That, that is... Uh, the case at every club is no different at Old Trafford. It's, it's the same everywhere, isn't it? You see it now with um, Old Trafford. What isn't what it once was, but I do feel like I'm not saying it's everyone's day out because that's a bit disrespectful. But it is a brilliant place to play, and like I wasn't good enough to play in front of thirty thousand as a home as a home crowd every week. Um, I wish I was, but I wasn't. But so I do understand it when an away team comes and away players come, and the pitch is amazing. Obviously, as they all are now, but I just think it maybe gives them an extra two or three, five percent. And sometimes the games are on the smallest of margins and sometimes we haven't been on the right side at home. Away from home, we've been really good. We should have won every game comfortably. But at home, yeah, I do think it gives the opposition a, look, come on. like Because if I was in, if I was the manager of a team against Derby in this league, especially, I would turn up and go, look, these lot think they've won it already. We don't, by the way, but I'm just saying what I would say. Those lot think they've won it already. You know, they turn up, they've got all their, you know, family, friends here. Everything's brilliant for them. Just get under their skin, make it difficult and all that. So I, I do see it from both sides. However, our home form last year was really good. Maybe we just, you know, haven't played our best form at home yet. Just looking ahead um, as well, Paul, um, I was wondering at one point yesterday whether we had booked you at just the right time and maybe Yeovil Derby might come up in the FA Cup draw and what a perfect opportunity that would have been <laughs> for yourself to be on the podcast today but as it is um Crew Alexandra um, away from home what, what what do you make of that draw for yourself it's sort of like it's, it's like, not Yeovil is it <laughs> no it's not Yeovil I mean in fairness I know how far Yeovil is as well so I'd like to have a home game but after this conversation you'd probably fancy his chances greater at our gaff than at yours but uh, yeah it's alright um, is what it is it'd be nice to get through obviously we're no different than any other club a cup run's really good for finances isn't it so uh, and and just giving game time to players like we played in the Papa John's last week against Grimsby and those games are really good for the players because it gives everyone game time so it sort of keeps everyone match fit so I like a cup run and um, yeah crew away isn't that exciting for either team I don't think but both of us will try and get through Any other questions for Paul Warren on uh, all things Derby County boys before we move on with the subjects this evening There's a fish and chip shop down the bottom of the road from crew Alexandra Paul You what mate? I said, there's a fish and chip shop just opposite the stadium at Crew Alexandra. Do you well, well on the way home? As you well know, with the uh, different shapes of our bodies, people have different diets. Yeah. Um, so uh, I won't be allowing the lads to have uh, fish and chips. You should never have fish and chips that that central in the country, I don't think. Can't be fresh, can it? Yeah, but you, yeah, you, they, if they win, I think that's the least thing you could do, get them some fish and chips uh, for... Bus yeah, right you're, you're too soft. You're too soft. If they're on the coast, yeah. If you win at Blackpool, I get it. Or if you win at uh, Great Yarmouth or something or um, Skegness. But not not in the centre of England. That is, that's a no-no for me. Oh, there you go. I tried Derby County players. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell them tomorrow, mate. I'll send, yeah, them, I'll yeah, send, okay. them, send them a picture and said, this man, yeah. height of health, yeah. wants you to have fish and chips after your, after your cup performance. To get Why yourself not? ready for the Tuesday night game. It's not unknown, you know. It's not unknown. 
Hey, I, I, I agree. I just not a crew. Is it a good one though? In, in in the top three of all time, and I respect your opinion on fish and chip shops. Who <laughs> um, is it in your top three? Because if it isn't, I'm not interested. Well, it's not as good as Palmer's in Yeovil, I don't think, but uh, it was no. okay, as I recall. Okay, okay. That's not really the uh, confirmation <clears throat> I was looking for, to be honest. No, but it was quite welcome when it was a late night and you had to drive all the way back from from Crew, you know. Yeah, no, I get it. Putting your camera in the boot, you were wet through yeah. the same or sob yeah. stories. Oh, don't talk to me about getting wet. I got soaked when I went to your place anyway. <clears throat> it does rain in England in the winter, though. It is a. Yeah. Well, it certainly it rained down. that day anyway. <laughs> and we were winning too. And then you came back and beat us in the last couple of minutes, as I recall. Before your time, I know, but I'm just saying. I'll be honest with you, that's not the questions I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask Alec, how's the leg, old dog? Come on, tell us, how are you doing? Yeah, doing all right, thanks. Um, about two months ahead of where I should be. Uh, so, yeah. pleased with that. Um, the surgeon was, like, saying it'd be more January time, but managed to uh, kind of, I guess, do everything as, as right as possible, I guess. And um, I've got a scan at the end of this month, to determine if the bone is uh, as dense as the rest of the leg, and I'm assuming it will be, given how things have gone so far. And yeah, it should be. I haven't got a set date in mind until speaking to them, but I'm hoping to get in and around that first round FA Cup to be the first one back, if I can. And, and are you um, training at the moment? I mean, you know, well, well, I know you're obviously having to do physio and that, but I mean, are you? Are you actually doing any training as such, or what? Yeah, so I've been. Um, it's been quite a, like a gradual progression. Uh, they always said, kind of, if on a level of one to ten, if ten is like your absolute maximum, you don't really want to be working more than sort of eight at a time, because uh, if you push yourself too far, your repercussions can be quite a lengthy, extended spell on the sidelines. So. I've been going as basically pushing it as much as I can within reason. And I've been training with the guys. Well, I've been out on the grass the last couple of weeks and then I'm doing everything but contact until I have this scan. But I feel pretty confident. I think if you gave me a a game tomorrow, I'd, I'd feel pretty good that I could get through it. And um, it's going to be quite a fight for places, though, with another striker arriving on the scene in yourself. Yeah, I mean, you go to any club, you're going to have a lot of competition. Uh, I think quite a few people have probably written me off this year, given what happened, the severity of the injury last year. Um, but, you know, you always, if you're going to be like top of the table or in and around it like we, we should be, obviously, at the level that we're now playing at, um, you can't just rely on two or three people. You need like a proper quartet, four or five lads up there. Um, I'd say it's the same sort of competition you'd get at a higher level. So kind of the the depth of our squad, I think, will hopefully pay a few dividends the longer the season goes on. Um, but I'm certainly not expecting to go straight in and play games. You've got to fight from a place and you've got guys that are scoring goals left, right and centre. So, um, you know, I've got quite a bit to to do to get back into the manager's mind that I can start regularly. But uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. There's competition up there. Well, I, I, I'm sure I speak for all of us and say we wish you all the best, and you know, looking forward to seeing you back in the team. Ah, oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty long old road, uh, pretty lonely, um, but it's nice to be 
getting out there with them again. And uh, it, just the small things you take for granted. When it was obviously quite a long time, I wasn't really planning on. Was told I'll never play again. So to kind of get to this point, everything's and to be then have it like completely behind me as far as I'm concerned um, is uh, is a real bonus. So no resting on the laurels. Going to be looking forward and enjoying everything as much as I can. And uh, yeah, you just you, you don't take for granted the basics. I know it's just started to get a little. <laughs> I've timed it so it's getting pretty nippy outside to get back outside. But um, yeah, like I, I can't wait. Like it's. The things that used to sort of like weigh you down a little bit as a player when the weather turns or it's cold, it's wet and things like that. It's uh, no, I can't, it's it's nice. So go coming in with a nice fresh perspective. I like to think. Oh, good luck anyway. Thanks. Altogether, Alex, how Ooh. long will it be that you've been out for altogether? If I was to play in that FA Cup fixture, it would mm. be seven months to the day, pretty much. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, it would be the surgeon originally said with the severity of injury, you're looking at sort of like middle of January. Um, but the frame that I had on did such a good job uh, that I think it's managed to take off at least. Well, up to, well, we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to speak too soon. I've got to have a scan to see uh, if he's happy that the, the calcification around the brakes are dense enough for me to take a good old lower league whack. <laughs> Um, as much as it used to. So, um, but yeah, it's, it'll be seven months. So it happened on April Fools, the injury itself, and the operation is on the 5th of April. And 4th of November is the, is the, is the FA Cup first round. Can I ask a couple of questions, if you don't mind? Of course, yeah, please. Okay, yeah. thanks. Um, one is, are you... Where are you on your rehab? Are you multi-directional that now? Are you running on the grass? Are you? Yeah, so I mean, I'll give you a, a real sort of fag packet review of the last sort of like couple of months. Um, yeah. So I was in a frame for about four months. Uh, that took me to the end of July. Uh, that frame allowed me to do everything. Like I was single leg hopping, single leg jumping. Oh. Um, everything you can imagine. But when it comes off, I don't have the strength in the, that frame took my entire weight. So the bone was healing yeah. and you get a lot of little micro fractures as you're putting weight through it. So although you don't feel it, you're really promoting a lot of, you're generating a lot of new bone <laughs> as yeah. it, better than if it was just stuck in a, stuck in a car. So that was the perk of the, the operation, uh, having the one that I had. Uh, then it was a little bit of a step back for about, they said up to six weeks, but it was only four for me with, uh, I had a boot boots and crutches um they said if you put whilst your bone will be able to take your weight and you'll be able to do a lot of things if you do too much of it repetitively without the structure of a boot or maybe the weight bearing of the crutches you can get a little bit of a bend where they call it soft bone it's not soft but it's a little bit more malleable than it would be if it was normal uh and that can be a bit of a no-no for changing your gait and getting muscle injuries further down the line um or worst case you get a stress fracture from where the frame had been screwed in because um, you still have six open holes through the bone um, <clears throat> and then so that was sort of like that took me to five months and then month six was uh, doing hydrotherapy and alter g up to about 90 percent weight uh, i went down to bournemouth and did some plyometrics on the beach just so i could do something a little bit different um, that got me kind of getting used to not the sort of like the water side, like, you know, when it's like the soft sand near the dry, the dry side, you can get quite a lot of um, 
softens the impact and you have to like it's getting used to that proprioception in quite a mild environment and then yeah this month's start of october was back out on the grass uh and i'm doing everything that anyone else would be doing now just not the competitive stuff so i do the warm-up i do the passing drills wow uh, i could be a floater in a possession um or i would uh but now if they do that i just tend to go off and do my own sort of like controlled running um just until i get this all clear from the surgeon so i'm, I'm basically yeah doing everything that anyone else would and and can change direction i can jump off it i mean the one thing i'm not very good is coordinating my skipping off one leg i mean jesus <laughs> but like you know that kind of shows you where like the sort of stuff that i can get away with doing yeah so striking a ball you you can do that fearlessly can you yeah yeah honestly like oh. i'm not i don't want to jinx it um but it can't get worse <laughs> but it would be that i i feel like it's not happened uh and i'm not just kind of saying it as a front i genuinely don't until i have had a moment where i go oh christ yeah okay maybe i'm not as far as i thought yeah. then maybe i'll take a step back but now on uh, what's the day today so thursday was the last day i was in with the boys um and yeah i was shooting uh unopposed stuff no keeper but you know that kind of stuff like as I'd say a good hard though to get your confidence back, innit? I thought. I thought you were gonna to say to me, look, I'm still a little bit nervy, I'm not following through. I was expecting. No, no, I mean my the one thing I was hoping is that the, when he did kind of correct the shape of my foot or leg or whatever, that he'd just tweak it enough so I can just start getting it underneath the crossbar and Yeah, that I always want Unfortunately I am lucky there's a big fence at Alvington. <laughs> but what if it, my other question was going to be and although like obviously I, didn't, I haven't played for what uh, 13 14 years but I manage a group of men and maybe for people who are Yeovil fans listening to this um, what has been the darkest time during your injury or are you as upbeat as you come across here are you <laughs> I mean I mean yeah. not in the nicest possible sense no like, I know what you mean I think the I've I've had long term injuries before, and I've I've hit spells where I just go, ah, oh, this is just where's the light, so to speak. Like it's just the same inside of a gym that I'm seeing yeah. week on end. Uh, I've genuinely not had it with this injury. I don't know if it's just because I was a little bit older. The comfort of a second year of a contract, and the fact that I was so at first it was made out to be so certain you'll never play again. That I was like, it gave me like such a nah, and like <laughs> you can't tell me. I'll, I'll decide if that's the case. Yeah. And so you've I, not had any. You've not had real like, because I've now got a young lad, uh, Rooney, a uh, good kid. Got him a first. He was only nineteen. Just done his cruciate, so he's out for the season. Bless him. And I'm always thinking like, if you, if you now managed yourself, right? So obviously, when you're injured, you don't see the lads, do you? Not many mm. people. I'm not saying not many people talk to you. I don't mean it like that. But you, you sort of different times of training and all that, aren't you? How would you manage you? So if you were now a manager and someone now done your injury, yeah. like would you would would it have been nice for you to be involved in analysing the opposition or watching the team That's or the manager yeah. taking you out for a meal or because I always feel that like it's hard, isn't it? When you're injured as a player, you feel like a fraud. You don't you don't play on a Saturday. You, you don't have the same energy release. You don't feel as good about yourself. It, it takes its toll. So if you managed yourself, how would you try and make it more comfortable? I'd say for, for me, I don't know if this ties into being at a different stage in my life than someone that's kind of just starting out, but 
having a bit of security from someone in a position of authority like a manager and therefore having conversations to say, look, just you'll get a fair crack at it when you're back. Yeah. Would be would have would have been nice. Um, I've not had too much in terms of um, correspondences uh, with the club during this injury, just because I've done a lot of it um, up where I where I live. There's basically a condensed St George's Park, literally in my village, about oh, two hundred wow. meters away from my house. So I've been. It's only until this month that I've started going back in. Um, so the, in terms of like, but that a, a communication for me is just nice to know that you're still. Yeah. You just still exist. Um, that sounds a bit extreme. I don't mean it. To oh, I, I I agree with you. Because when you're injured, you don't see the lads. You don't train with the lads. You you're not not that it matters to some people, but you're not in the program. You you just you are literally useless. That's, that's extreme. I know. I don't mean to say. No, useless. but it's the reality, I mean, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah. Because and you realise how how like like your career isn't going to last forever, how you don't know if you're ever going to play again and you start having them sort of dark thoughts. And then you, and then you write what you said, by the way, I, I had a couple of injuries late on a knee and a broken foot. And it makes you realize that when I come back, I'm not, it's hard because <laughs> footballers moan, but you think, well, I'm going to be all positive. I'm not going to moan. I'm going to enjoy playing. I'll enjoy the challenges. I'll get in the team. Um, and it does, it is good for that, but it's just so difficult when, you know, have you got, have you got kids? Uh, not yet, not yet, no. Okay, well done. You've done. You survived well. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's very oh, much. You look so happy. You know? I actually hear that question. <laughs> no, no lines on your face. That's why I get it now. I'm now beginning <laughs> to make the jigsaws all coming together. But now, I guess in a nutshell, I think just in a, it, yeah, if I was managing myself, maybe just if it's a long-term injury and it's just started, there's not too much they can do in terms of getting out of the house and being mobile to a point that they'll probably feel too comfortable having a coffee yeah. but maybe the odd you know come down watch the boys train have lunch with us kind of thing then um yeah maybe once every two or th- once a month maybe just, have like, just go for, it doesn't yeah. have to be out for a coffee just say i'll oh, come to the training ground or the stadium we'll have a little chat see how you're doing um and just I mean, kind that, of affirm that, that there's that a chance cost. when you come back that doesn't cost anything, does it? That's just human touch, isn't it? Like, so with my players, when they're injured, I know I see them every day, so it's different. But every two or three weeks, I put in my book, right, I need to go and walk around the pitch with him. I haven't had a proper chat with him for a few weeks. I keep trying to keep him involved. Uh, and That's just, great. I'm just feeling part of it. But I, I do understand that. You're right. They have the, everyone has the same insecurities and... And feeling of like, like, I just want to get back fit. I'll be back fit soon, Gaff. And I'm like, yeah, no, it'd be great when you're back, mate. But you just got to go through all the processes. But yeah. I, just, I, I do, I do see some players that I've got one at the moment who just re-injured, and he is like, he was in tears, and it's like, oh no, it, it's it's so hard. Like being yeah. a footballer, being injured is 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 the worst. So uh, if I don't tell you by the end of this interview, then uh, good luck on you and your coming back and I'll keep an eye out going forward. Oh, so, no, I appreciate oh, it. And just for clarity, because I know these go out there, this, the club's been good with me. Like, I'm not saying that in a way that oh, I wish they'd done this with me. Oh, no, no, um, I know, I get it. Just in case, you never want good things to get misconstrued, so <laughs> you never know what yeah, this Yeah, I get it, in print. I mean, in fairness, in print, me saying that teams come on a good day out at Derby doesn't look great. I don't mean <laughs> well, it. I didn't mean that like... question to sound how it sounds. Oh, no, 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 I know, I get it, I get it. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm I mean, also, you. I mean, just to sort of maybe one for another time but um if any of your players do have long-term injuries and they want to speak to someone that's going through it or on the other side of it 
Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, nice. Please just take my number. Um, and uh, I'm doing it with a couple of one of the lads at Extra. He's only 18, 19. Um, Gabriel, he's uh, had a, a similar injury to me. And uh, wow. about three, about a month or two after mine. Um, and it's I just it's just nice even for me to talk about mine because then I realise that I'm doing the right things. And it's like, oh, well, by the way, when you feel this, that's just normal. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, yeah it's, that's just normal. That, and don't expect to be able to just... It's much more satisfying from a physio, isn't it? Because a physio will go, yeah, you've got to do that. You, yeah, you've got to feel that pain. It's going to be a bit awkward. But if a player tells you that, look, mate, it's going to hurt for the, after your first few sessions, you're going to go home, ice your ankle, ice your leg. You're going to be in bits. Just You'll be fine. It ain't half reassuring. I got my players, if they're out long term, I get them to like learn a language or one of them's just learning how to play the guitar because they have that much time. And I don't want them to get depressed, if you know what I mean. Anyway, I've hopped this long enough. Find the best fish and chip shops up and down the country, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you know who to you know who to contact. <laughs> H is your um, man. H is your sorry, man. Sorry, Hilda, just before you move on, just for Paul. Paul, do you think that, that the, what you said there about those like the soft skills, how you manage your players, it's more important than the technical and tactical bit? Um yeah, I do. I, 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 for me, when I played, all I wanted to do was play for someone who I respected and I liked yeah. and I'd run through brick walls. So if you, if I didn't, and I, weirdly, I really love playing for Russell Slade, but because he treated me with respect and I didn't need someone to scream at me to tell me what to do, just tell me. If someone pulled me at half-time and gone, look, Warnie, look, you know, I know you keep making this run. I don't want you to make this run. Make this run. Fine, Gaffer, I'll try and make that run. So I just wanted to feel respected all the time. Hence why I try and be that manager now. But I'm lucky that I have coaches who are much better coaches than me. So the technical, tactical stuff. But like today, I give them, because it's international break, give them all a few days off because uh, they need to get away from my voice. But when they come in today, I've spoke to every player today to find out what they've done at the weekend, what they spent their time on uh, and just try and get involved in their lives. I know all their kids, all their kids' names, everything. So because I just want them to feel part of the club and know that we're there for them, but not, you know, I'm not an idiot that I just know that if we have better relationships. I just think you get better performances. Get more. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I think. I'm not saying it's right, but that's what, that's how I like to lead. Yeah. I just think that the more I see it and the more I go around, one of the things that is paramount is how you deal with people as people. The job happens to be being a footballer, and obviously they need to win football matches. But the things you were saying there about when you're injured and you're out for a long time, and yeah. Alex said about having the second year of a contract, so it gives you some security. But so many of them feel vulnerable, don't they? They feel isolated. Yeah. And if you if you lose contact with them completely, it's almost like you've forgotten about them. So to to take the time out to say, right, I write in my diary, I'm going to speak to this lad. I've not spoken to him for two weeks. Yeah. I think that's massive for the players in terms of, like you say, you want them to buy into stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you've got and to show I, them that you care. Yeah, and I'm generally interested. So my, I have a memory now. I'm in my 50s. Horrendous. It's like a sponge. I remember some things. I don't others. Be surprised to know. But I have a book that every time I have a conversation with a player, I write it down, the date, what we spoke about and everything, just to recap. So if I've got a player I've got coming in, I'm going to speak to him about his form. I'll look and go, right, his kids are called this, his wife's called that. I spoke to him last time he was going to Euro Disney. And so I've got, so I don't just speak to him as a footballer. I try and speak to him as a person. So I had one of my senior pros in today, actually, saying to me, look, if I want to I want to know what where you see me, why am I not in the team? And I've got, 
I've now got like 19 fit, but these are all proper first team players. There's no kids. They're all, if you look at my squad at the weekend, they're all senior players. And and I always go down the route of like, you know, if you want me, I'm, I'm going to be honest and I'll be honest, but because I think um, I come from a point of that, they generally know I care for them and I'm trying to help them. I just think it's easier to, to deliver bad news. I do. And they might not agree with it, but at least I respect the fact that, look, I, you know, I, I watch clips with players, I, as my other coaches do, but I keep trying to help them. Um, and I just think you just get more out of, a, out of a team environment. That and, selfishly, I spend all my life with these players. So until May, five, six days a week, you know, I am literally living in their pockets. So I want to spend time with people I like, and I, and I openly admit I want them to like me as well. But I do think especially 19, 20, 21 year old lads, even more so now are needing a softer touch than when we played. Um, and that, that isn't a bad thing. I think the world's changing in a good way in that respect. Steve, where have you been lately anyway? Me? Oh, I can't remember when I last spoke to you. Well, no, I can't. Uh, Saudi, months, maybe I did a, I did a pro license in Saudi. Um, and then I did a pro license in Thailand and then took them to Japan for a study visit for 10 days. We went to, it was quite interesting because we went to Yokohama F Marinos, which is Kevin Muscat's in charge. Oh, yeah. It was just on the shortlist for the Rangers job. Yeah. Um, and FC Tokyo. And then like last week I was in the States for a week on holiday. So what that's... a life, eh? I the other half live. <laughs> got to be done. Oh, Someone's got to do it. Go on, H, ask him about the chip shops. Any over there, chip shops? <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised what they eat in Japan. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd be surprised that I wouldn't eat in Japan. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Let's just say I tried a few things I've never tried before. Yeah. Well done, you're very brave. I must say I am very grateful to Steve because when I went to Athens a couple of weeks ago, I was... I was already over there and I was enjoying my sea bass and enjoying a nice beer. And I thought, who can I contact that knows Athens? And I suddenly thought, oh, do you know what? I'll tap Steve Rutter up and just had a little conversation with him whilst out in Athens, just asking where the places are to go. And he very kindly offered me the opportunity to go and see Panathinaikos play. Um, but unfortunately, I wasn't quite able to win that argument with my partner, and we ended up going to see a sunset instead. But yeah, even so, even so, Steve, um, we went to your recommendation. It was very, very nice. Did you? Was, Lickabitus? Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Stunning. Yeah, stunning. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's my tour guide as well for anyone else who needs needs a little bit of um, guidance in tourism. Then Steve Rutt is your man. Yeah. Injury advice from Alex. I can do your tourism. Yeah, I can do fish and chip shops. He can do fish and yeah, chip shops. Yeah, we're well connected. We're well connected here. <laughs> we're sorted. Um, <laughs> um, just before we talk about uh, the game on Saturday, because we want to bring Rick in, who was there for uh, co-commentary for that one. Paul, have you not got any money in the meter, mate? You're getting darker and darker there. Are you okay? Yeah, well, Mark, well, I, I, I don't know if it will work. You don't, you don't, whatever you feel comfortable with. I just, well, I'm not, I'm not a shy out. guy. Ta-da! There he is, there. What a handsome devil. Oh. Yeah. Turn the light off again, Paul. Yeah, sorry, mate. Sorry. Derby County fans will be delighted to hear that he's wearing a white shirt. By design? <laughs> Obviously, I, I, it is. I didn't design it, but yeah, I, I'd like to wear a white t shirt. <laughs> Um, so then, Rick, um, Yokel Town 
they are through to the FA Cup first round proper after a 2-0 win over Southend United. We spoke last week about the fact this is a really good test for Yeovil because looking at the squad that they've put together, they probably fancy themselves as a National League side, let alone National League South. And Southend proved to be tough opposition, but Yeovil were um, even better. What, what did you have to make of it? Well, we've said all season that had we had had Yeovil had this squad last season, they wouldn't have got relegated. And it's the first real opportunity they've had to actually see whether that's true or not. And they came through it, in all honesty, with flying colours. I mean, Southend, you can't judge their league position on their league position because obviously they have the penalty, the points penalty as well. So they're a better side than 19th in the National League. I think it would have been in and around the playoffs if it wasn't for the points. Yeah, up around that that, that sort of position. And um, they look neat and tidy and... Uh, but they they seem to lack a cutting edge on Saturday. It's a lot like watching Yeovil last season, if uh, Alex will forgive me. There was an awful lot of approach play, but it didn't seem like there was, you know, that bit at the end of it, whereas Yeovil looked completely, completely different. I've never seen over the last two seasons the, the team look as comfortable in possession as they, as they do now. They're prepared to play the ball, play football in all areas of the pitch, which is, uh, which is nice which is nice to see. And it is, it's, it's so refreshing after what we've had to put up with over the last couple of seasons. But what they need now is uh, is is a fish-shaped centre-forward, don't you reckon, Alex? You fit into that? You, would you fit into that the way, it's, way that they're playing now, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think it changes too much for the front line. It's more how we build yeah. up from the back. How you get uh, there. Yeah, and Mark Cooper's size traditionally will be very possession-based. And I think there's been a few unjust groans over the weeks that I've been watching the games where we're clearly trying to do something. You're not just passing along the back or along the middle going side to side for the sake of it. You're trying to move people around and teams come to at this level to Hewish Park and do sit in um, and you know you can't just keep trying to go through them all the time. You want to try and you know move them around. So yeah, but when you get it right like they have in the last few games you can really see why. But it's not the sort of thing you can just turn up and go, oh, lads, we're going to pass today. You have to work over it for, for yeah. weeks. Whereas if you went direct, you could say, well, everyone knows what that looks like. It's not it's not hard. You just feed off the seconds. But if you're saying you want to pass, it's all well, who goes where and how does that look? And um, It was nice to see it. I, I agree with the sentiment as well from Dave. It's, it, was, it was interesting to see from my side as well how we would do against a inverted commas, better side. And um, yeah, I thought they, I thought it was a really good game. Because the, the thing that's happened, though, struck me, Paul talking earlier about teams raising their game and it's a big day out for them to come and play at Derby. With Yeovil having gone down, it's exactly the same situation, really, that they find themselves in now for a National League South side. An awful lot of them, it's their, their big game of the season to come to Hewish Park and play in front of a crowd and against a team that, that really should be in a higher division. It's a similar sort of uh, sort of situation, and it's just nice to see that we've been talking about it all season. That you know, the team, if we'd had it last season, it would have been wouldn't have been relegated, like I said before. But uh, to actually see it come to fruition in front of them and actually play so well against the team, and that both, all bodes well for the next round of the cup against Gateshead. Seems that there's no pressure on the lads; they've got to make it, stay in the cup long enough for you to get back, haven't they? Yeah, well, also Gateshead are a um, 
a heavy possession-based side this year as well. So it'd be quite interesting to see how we do off the ball as well. See if we do as well off the ball as we did against Southend, because it's the first time someone's come to us this year, really, and tried to pass it a little bit more or have we concede a bit of possession to the yeah. opposition. Um, so, yeah, and I think it, if they can muster up a win, I don't think anyone really fancies a replay on the Tuesday night. Um, for obvious geographical reasons. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. But I mean, yeah, if they, I genuinely do have a, a hope that that'll be my, I'm not saying I'll get on the bench, you know, but up for selection, you know, just put it in the gaffer's mind. So yeah, maybe that, if it's not that one and we do get through, then yeah, it'd be great to, you know, get a, a bump. Really wish you hadn't said that. about that, Alex. It's going to be a 1 1 draw now, isn't it? And we're going to be crawling yeah, up the gate head on the Tuesday night. Time, so I feel like I can't jinx it because it's, it's already been jinxed if it does happen. <laughs> One Is thing, though, saying about a Mark Cooper way of playing and what have you, that you still get that, even when obviously it went 1 0 up very, very early in the game on Saturday. And where we were commentating, you still had people behind you offering the helpful advice of lumping it up forward <laughs> and getting it. So, hang on, you're 1-0 up against a team from a higher division. You're playing them, you're comfortable against them. Why would you go chasing Were all the stands open Croatia? then, Rick, for this one? But Yeah, they were. It was, it was good to see, actually. And, and fair play to South End. They brought a few down. So, it was, it was yeah, it was a good day all in all. Hilda, you're down for comms if there's a replay. You know that, don't you? <laughs> I thought that was what you were going to try and say. Um, yeah, Adrian, I, I, Adrian's going to drive you. Oh, a, a drive that long with AD Hopper on a Tuesday night. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, think yeah, of all yeah. the service stations we could yeah. stop at. What fun. <laughs> I do agree with that, by the way. That's a good point. Inland fish and chips don't hit the same as seaside fish and chips. I never thought that's, yeah. I think that's why what Grimsby the... away was always good fish and chips. And I remember we had some of Grimsby. They weren't bad there. But Grimsby's yeah, such a tip, though, mine. But yeah. they, the chips were all right. I will say that. <laughs> Rick, um, in the comms on Saturday, I want mm-hmm. to talk to you about the Jordan Young goal because I oh. believe I'm right in saying that you went as far as saying it was one of the best goal, or not the best goal you had personally seen at Hewish Park. Um, talk so. us through it, and and for those who haven't seen it, I think so. But the disappointing thing, I, I did say also at the time, I wanted to see it, the clips of it afterwards. But they just show. I mean, don't get me wrong, Jordan did amazing once he got into the box. But the build-up from the back was incisive, quick, good passing, great movement. And it all came from um, Reese Murphy having a, a legitimate penalty shout, I think, turned down. And the ball went down and went back into Yeovil's half. And then just the break from that, it was it was, it was was a quality finish. And they'll actually finish it the way he did. As Yeah, it's, it's as good a goal as I can, I can remember seeing now, I think. We might have to tone it down about how good the Yeovil players were in case uh, Paul Warren's actually doing some scouting on those very players. And it might be your fault, Rick Hyatt, that they end up moving on. Well, if, the, thing is, <laughs> I, the thing is, if the Derby players now, when they go in and, and speak to Paul and he's being nice about them and remembering everything, and they think, cool, the, the gaffer really, really cares about me. He's got a big book. You can't bully people with dementia. <laughs> oh, we do with we do with Aidy Hopper. <laughs> uh, yeah. True, true. 
<laughs> what do you mean, true, true? <laughs> Very true. I, I should remember that, Warney. No, you won't. <laughs> exactly, you won't. <laughs> I won't either. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rick, you touched on it, though. Gateshead in the next round. Um, if you actually look at where they are at the moment, like you you mentioned as well, the fact that if you take the uh, the points penalty away from Southend, there's not really a lot between Gateshead and Southend from what we've seen so far this season. Um, some Yeovil fans might be thinking Gateshead will be more winnable because they're used to seeing Gateshead towards the bottom end of the table, whereas actually this year they're um, they're in and amongst the playoffs. But if the Southend game's anything to go by, then potentially more of the same for Yeovil. That seems to be the, the thinking. I mean, Gateshead, looking at the, the table, are a bit of a win-one-lose-one sort of sort of team. And if, then again, if they are up around that um, playoff position, how much of a priority is a, is a cup run? I know everyone likes to do well, but if they're looking to get out of the National League, then they might be concentrating a little bit more on that, maybe. Who knows? But I certainly think it's not the worst draw in the world. There, there were teams that were uh, would be more of a problem, but it's certainly winnable for Yeovil at the moment. Is their manager not linked to uh, the MK Don's job? That's only just become available, though, isn't it? Just today? Yeah. That's hot. Football rumours. I thought he was linked to it. That was all. Maybe not true, but um, we'll see. Is Graham Alexander, Alexander, isn't it? Yeah. It was. I saw rumours of it this morning, but I didn't know if it was. Yeah, he's. That's the fourth one in League Two this year. I don't know if that's more or less than normal. Is that? I uh, suppose. Well, I suppose I'm that's so a fair far point. From, <laughs> I feel so removed from it. I forget, but that's oh, that's crazy. They were they were saying, weren't they, that in these something like ten years, they had two managers. They had Paul Lintz and um, Carl oh, Robinson, well. and then yeah. all of a sudden, in the last, they've had like seven permanent managers and God knows how many interims, and it's just gone crazy. He's gone from being one of the most reliable chairmen in the league just to being, a, you know, higher than a fire. But what was, did the other managers stay there because they were successful? Because, I mean, which comes first? Because they, Carl Robinson was successful, took him to the champ, so he stayed there longer. Maybe yeah. he, he looks a little bit more cha-ching now because I think they haven't won, MK haven't won in like nine games in League Two. So, yeah. for a club of their size, as is the club of Derby, I don't win for nine games at Derby. I've got a funny yeah. feeling I won't get to nine. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. And the thing is, Paul, they, like you were saying earlier about you're playing the team, aren't you? But actually, you're not playing the club. So, Derby have got this massive history of, you know, being the European Cup semi finalists and being the Premier League. But like you say, you have to sell your best players. So the players you put on the field... Are League are, One players. A League One player. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was at Luton. We had Collo, James Collins at Luton, who was terrific yeah. for us. He had a wonderful season, didn't he? Then he moved on. Yeah. But, you know, like you say, the League One players playing... The, maybe good League One players. But yeah, they're, they they're are not, good League One players. They're, they're not, they're not so much better than the rest of the teams. Do you know what I mean? Whereas no, no. there's a perception, isn't there, that because they're Derby County, they should be streets ahead of, you know, whoever else it is you happen to be playing that week. It just doesn't yeah. happen. No, it doesn't. I mean, in fairness, when 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 I was at Rotherham, I think we got promoted. And I think like um, Ipswich didn't get promoted. I think one time Sunderland didn't get promoted. But on paper, yeah. like they they've got much better players on paper, or or players who have had better careers. But realistically, with all players in League One, 
if they were good enough to still be playing in the champ, a champ club would take them. Yeah. It's just the fact that the good thing we have at Derby, that we do have good players there. I'm not saying they're not good players. Yeah. They are. We do have a lot. Mm. So, as in, you, if, if I was at a different club in League One, I might have 11 or 12 really yeah, yeah. first-teamers with a backup and some youth team players and all that. Whereas at Derby, I have I can't complain. I have got like yeah. twenty two like proper, proper first football. Yeah. Players. Well, that's yeah. like Alex was saying earlier, wasn't it, about the Yeovil squad, the strength in depth of the squad. Yeah, Maybe enough to, to give them the advantage when it gets into the yeah, really, really shitty months and the group pitches yeah. are poor. And definitely, I mean, like now we're coming up to. So we just had this international break, which has been good because I've got about five injured at the moment, and they're all coming back. But we go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. And the best players, the way we play anyway, it's difficult to play 90 minutes. I know it sounds like boo-hoo to people who aren't footballers, but to play at a level, to win games Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, to play every minute of every game, and by the way, I wanted to when I was a player, it isn't possible. So you want to be able to not make the team weaker, but to change it. So you do need strength in depth, but the problem is the difficulty, as we all know on here, that trying to manage people when you have really good strength in depth, isn't that easy? Because they've all got egos. They all Their wives and kids all want to watch dad play at the weekend. And uh, that's the harder part of it. But if the team's winning, brilliant. If the team isn't winning, then... Yeah, then you get your issues. Yeah, do you ever, mate, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at the League One table here and it is a really chaotic league. I mean, I know it turns into a bit of a cliche where no matter what league you're in, everyone says... Oh, everyone can beat everyone in this league. Um, and it is a bit like that for most leagues. But just looking at like at the bottom end of the table, Wigan, we know, had a points deduction, but they started the season like a house on fire to get themselves back into positive points. And oh. now they have, they've lost their last four games in a row. Reading have obviously got all their financial troubles as well inside the bottom four. You've got some big clubs in there, Bolton, um, Barnsley, of course, Portsmouth and Oxford, who are leading the way, absolutely smashing it on the form table. Oxford have been up and down a little bit in terms of where they've been in League One. They've been pushing for playoffs, pushing for promotion. Then they've been bottom half. Now they're back towards the top. Portsmouth have been stuck there for a while. But it does look like that there's um, some stiff competition this year, Paul, as ever. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that great news. <laughs> uh, here for you to tell me how good League One is. Yeah. No pressure, mate. No pressure. Yeah, no, never pressure, mate. We're here to help. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, I think that... Um, I mean, I've I've been involved. I've played in teams that got promoted who aren't the favourites. I don't think. I just think it's just about getting into a winning habit. No matter what league you're in, if you can go back to back um, wins, uh, and if you're the manager or a player at a different club and you get back to back wins, six points in a week makes a massive turnaround where you are in the league, and then you get more belief, and then all just goes. And there's loads of teams in League One who can win back to back games. So. It could be, um, I mean, it's not good for my hairline, but it could be an exciting season. Well, I guess this is what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way, is that having named those teams that I've named there, there's no reason why Derby County cannot be one of those names. Thank you. Um, they I think could. I saved it. <laughs> you sort of brought me back. Uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, there's no reason why we, I mean, in fairness, look, if we're not in the top six, then I think we've failed. So I openly admit that. And I've said that to the fan base anyway. We should be in the top six. And uh, in, in, in some performances this year, we've more than performed like a top two team. We just haven't... Oh, sorry. 
we just haven't um, taken our chances when we were on top. So like last weekend, we dropped points at Cheltenham where we shouldn't have dropped points. Uh, but then we go and win away at Blackpool. Um, so, you know, it's, um, we just need to, like I said, back-to-back wins. The same at Yeovil. You win, you get confidence. Everyone feels a little bit fitter, a little bit quicker, a little bit braver on set pieces. And then all of a sudden your season's a lot easier. So uh, we'll see how we get on in the next few games. So we haven't got that much longer um, left of the pod. Um Aid, I'll come to you very quickly because it's been your favourite weekend in the footballing calendar, which of course is international break. Yeah, um, absolutely. So no Premier League to talk of. Obviously, England had a, a friendly with Australia, but their biggest game or bigger game um, is tomorrow against Italy. We've seen Scotland have qualified for the Euros. Wales got a good win um, as well to put themselves back in the mix um, for qualification. Not so good for both Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. What have you made of um, what you've seen over the weekend, if you've seen any of it, if you haven't been too busy trying the chip shops instead with this international break? Um, Well, first of all, I haven't visited a fish and chip shop this weekend. So uh, there you go. Um, Breaking news. (laughs) Yeah. With regard to the the football, I did see a little bit of Wales, and as I'm Welsh... Uh, I was pleased that they managed to get that result, but they've still got it all to do. I mean, away to Turkey is not going to be a, a cakewalk, that's for certain, but at least they're, they're still in there. Scotland have, have um, qualified, which is uh, good news from their perspective, and Steve Clark seems to be, you know, proving he is a good did you, did international manager. Did you see the um, disallowed McTominay goal, Wade? Uh, I didn't, know. Ah, OK. Oh! Not to worry. I just I saw the two. I saw the two that mattered, but I didn't see the one that he scored. Um, <clears throat> and England, I think, proved that uh, Ange is not a bad manager because I'm sure his influence was still perhaps, uh, you know, around in Australia because he's quite a big name over there, isn't he? And uh, wasn't he? I think I'm right in saying was he international manager or not? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. So some time ago, though. Yeah, exactly. But I, I would assume that there's a certain amount of his influence still, you know, still present in the team. So, um, yeah, I mean, Ireland did their usual job of, of not progressing, I don't think. So, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see two or three other teams along with England in the European finals if they get through. More home interest, if you like, you know. Well, you mentioned about the Irish there. Just very quickly, Steve, is, is it, are you pleased to see Greece doing doing well? Or I must have a bit of an affiliation with them having been out there for a while? Or not really? <laughs> no, I'm pleased for Gus, because I like Gus. Um, he did his badges with us in England, and he's a, he's a decent fella. Um, and he's, that's been a rapid improvement, to be honest, because they were teetering on the brink a year and a half ago. Um, the national side were a disgrace, and he's turned it right around. So I am, I am pleased for them, and, and some of the lads I know quite well as well. So uh, it, you know, it's good to see them doing well at last. Because 2004 they won the Euros, um, mm. and you know nothing since then really. So yeah, nice to see them turn it around, and I'm particularly pleased for Gus. Alex, I think one of the last times that you came on uh, was during an international break. Remind me, are you? Does international football turn you on, for want of a better phrase? <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, I'll, if, I'll always watch it. I don't actually have um, Sky at my house. So if I do watch any of the international stuff or anything like that, actually, it's got to be down the uh, local 
which right. can also be a little bit. I mean, it's a nice excuse to have. To um, <laughs> but no, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I, uh, you know, kind of, I still watch international football as if I've got the mind of a 10 year old thinking, oh, one day I might still be able to do that. Um, obviously, <laughs> maybe not in reality, but. I know it still has that charm for me. Was um, it you, Alex, who said that every time a tournament comes around, you stick on Mike Bassett? Was it you oh, who said I do. that? I, I mean, any excuse for Mike Bassett, I might want to say that, yeah. Especially when it's World Cup, because that, I mean, whoever, it's genius behind that. That is some, that's some top quality, that. But um, no, when I was, when I played in Scotland for a bit and it was international break, I did favour going away um, over watching it, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, but back down south, no, I'd always give it a watch. What about you, Paul? Do you have an eye on the international break, obviously, when your team's not playing, or is it just a really. case of... Yeah, yeah, I just try and get away from football. I go and watch American football. I, um, I I don't enjoy international friendlies. I never have. So, listen, I was uh, drove and listened to it on Radio 5 and all the pundits on. Uh, just saying about how oh, they're going to easily beat Australia, which drives me insane when people say that. There's no easy games in football. You make loads of changes. Australia come to Wembley. It's like a big occasion for Australia. Always going to be a tough game. And Australia done really well. Could have scored off a set piece. Pressed really well. Everyone's really athletic now. So whichever country you play, it's always a tough game. So they don't excite me. Tournaments excite me. Love a tournament. I've been watching the Rugby Union this weekend. Oh, in fact. Yeah. But which has been excellent. But, um, yeah, love a tournament. I just, international friendlies, I just, uh, they're not for me. Last point then, Rick. Pleased to see that the Premier League is back, baby. Yeah, just just on the, touching on the international stuff. There it is. You knew where this is going. <laughs> it was so refreshing watching the England game and hearing the whole crowd join in with me at home when I was doing the booing. It's, it's, it's nice that everyone else is now finally catching up and uh, joining in. Hendo. Oh, what a disgrace. You must be a bit concerned that some of your players are going to get called up to the England squad if he gets a game. <laughs> Standard, I, thought you meant, I thought you meant going to go off yeah, the big moved to Saudi. No, 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 no. If, if Henderson can get a game for England, then that, that must be players in League One that are... Uh, fancying their chances now because they're playing in a better standard than he is. Any thoughts, gentlemen? Before we wrap up? <laughs> I'm saying nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, luckily for you, Paul, we've run out of time. So, um, unfortunately, we're not going to we're not going to know um, what the answer was to that question. But, no, um, Paul, thank you very much for coming on again, mate. And uh, who knows? No Maybe if you find yourself kicking your heels someday, you might want to come back on again. Who knows? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Alex, all the best with the recovery, mate. Um, I know we've been saying it every time that we've seen you, but it's always good to get an update and so encouraging to see that you're so close now. So hopefully we do get you to uh, get to see a run out possibly um, in November. So good luck uh, for that. Come on, Al. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Yeah. Love it. Good luck. Cheers, guys. Steve, great to see you again, mate. And um, I don't know how long you're back in the country for, but maybe we'll see you again short, soon, shortly, soon. Yeah, maybe well, Paul's, Paul's just talking about Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. We're doing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, are we? No, Monday, so, Wednesday. Monday, Wednesday. Oh, sorry, Monday, Monday. Yeah, Monday, Wednesday, that's right. And yeah. Saturday with commentary. It's relentless. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Too much. You'll get okay. injured. 
<laughs> Don't worry, I'll make sure I get some rest in between. I'll get a nice bath. Yeah. You get to bed now, Paul. Uh, Steve. Mind you, Paul, you look like you could do with a kip as well, mind you, but there you go. It's a long day. <laughs> Rick Hyatt, thank you very much as always. Good, sir. Ah, always a pleasure. I'm just popping out now for a pint with my mate Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've got lots to talk well, he's about. He's buying, obviously. <laughs> I think something is short of a bob or two, is it? Uh, I, think you're right. <laughs> I think it'll be okay. Uh, very good evening from myself, Dave Pryor, and AD Hopper. Sign us off, my friend. Well, thank you for listening to everybody, and don't forget to join us again next Wednesday, same time, same station. Until then, thank you for listening to Football Bloody Hell. <laughs>